Hello, everyone. Welcome to this latest episode of the Sports Ethos Charlotte Hornets podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. Just want to let you know, I had previously recorded this episode on a much more sour note, and I think I do explain this in the intro, um, but then the Hornets had such a good win over the Sacramento Kings last night, I had to talk about it, so I re-recorded it. The issue in my excitement in re-recording it is I went away from the great quality you're hearing right now with my mic and had switched mics accidentally and didn't have that one next to me. So I was talking in a room that is pretty empty, but it wasn't as optimal a sound volume as this is. So the audio quality is not super great. Um, it's definitely something you can hear in terms of like making out what I'm saying, but it's not super great. And I do apologize for that. I will be much better in terms of attention to detail in the next one. I was just so pumped and yeah, that happened. So I just wanted to put this out as an apology before you hear it. The pod runs about a half an hour. Go into the Hornets, you know, 11 game losing streak. What went into that? We talk about the win against Sacramento. What went into that? And then we kind of look ahead to Chicago in a couple of days here. So, again, apologies for the audio quality. I will be better on the next one. But sit back, relax. Let's go Hornets. And thank y'all for tuning in. All right, here we go. Um, 
offered a calf strain toward the end of the year, December 28th. So he's listed as out. He'll be reevaluated in two weeks. Frank Nelikina has been out since October. He had a non-displaced fracture of the left tibia. That is still a thing. He is still out. And Mark Williams has been out for, what, three weeks now? Um, and he did miss yesterday's game as well with a back injury. Those are big injuries. You're going with your starting small forward, your starting forward, your starting point guard, your starting center, and a, a guy who, I mean, wasn't looked at to be anything more than a backup guard, but then became something of, oh, a depth piece for this Hornets team. All of them out with substantial time with injuries that have lingered and are of the reevaluate kind. Not the, okay, two weeks in your back. No, two weeks in, we'll look at it. Two weeks in, we'll see what's happening, right? And even with that, you've had other guys in and out. Tay Rogier has been in and out. Um, he's been one of your more, well, I wouldn't say your more durable players, but more of them, more, one of your more durable key players, right? Brandon Miller has come back three separate times from an ankle sprain, and he was a scratch minutes into last night's game against the Kings. So, like, it's been a thing. It's been an issue, and that, more than anything, has been a big reason why the Hornets were in an 11-game losing streak, and thank goodness, you know, were able to snap that before getting a little close to their longest streak without a win, which would be 18 straight. That happened back in the 2012-2013 season when they were the Bobcats. But, yeah, it's an assortment of injuries. It's just been so much. Besides the Memphis Grizzlies, no team has claimed more missed games this season due to injuries than Charlotte. Um, when they lost a couple days ago in Denver on New Year's Day, four-fifths of their projected starting lineup was sitting there watching the game like the rest of us, albeit from a better seat. That's a problem. Just a random assortment of, of sustained injuries. And it makes you think, like, how much longer do the Hornets have until they are, again, in the lottery? Like, right now, if you look at this team, if you were to tell me, you know, LaMelo Ball healthy, Terry Rozier healthy, Mark Williams, Gordon Hayward, you know, you have these guys, P.J. Washington, um... You know, we know what we feel about the Miles Bridges, right? The talent that is available and healthy is not an 8 and 2014. Now, is it like 4th and 5th in the East? No, no, it's not that either. But it's not this. But injuries have affected them all. But how long do you go if you're Charlotte and say, okay, you know what? We're going to hold out hope that when our guys get back, we're going to be able to make a sustained run at maybe a playing spot. Maybe, you know, at best to succeed. That is being hopelessly optimistic at this point. But, like, what point do you reevaluate your team and go, okay, you know what? This isn't it. We're just not going to get our team all healthy all season. That's an important question. That's one, thankfully, I don't have to, to kind of evaluate. But if you are, you know, the front office of the Hornets, if you are right now, Mitch Kupchak, like, when the trade deadline comes, and we'll talk about trade targets and, and, and trade pieces in a later episode. But if you are Mitch Kupchak, you know, in about four and a half, five weeks from now, the trade deadline's about six weeks away, do you look at guys like Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward and go, hey, we can get something back for them. They can help a contender. You know, we can get off their, 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 their contract. They are putting up great numbers, but they're probably better on a contending team than they are for a 21 and 61 Hornets team. I think the Hornets will win more than 21 games, but, I mean, at this point, they've already lost 24, right? Like, maybe they look and say, okay, you know what? Let's see what we can get for a Miles Bridges, which isn't a whole lot, but are you trying to bring Miles Bridges back? That's a totally different conversation for another show, but that's a thought. Like, what point do you say, okay, we're shutting it down? Like, the season is is what it is. I don't know. 
but it's something to think about. But the injuries have been a big reason why the Hornets have had an 11-game losing streak. Um, another thing I would think is just, you know, the, the depth that's come out. You've had We've had guys for the Charlotte Hornets that have not been, I don't know, they've not been, well, the, let's just say this. The drop-off between your starting group, the drop-off between your projected starting five and then P.J. Washington um, and everyone else is is stark. It just is. After you go through LaMelo, Rozier, Hayward, Bridges, Miller, P.J. Washington, Mark Williams, Cody Martin just got back, and that's a great sign. He's you know not shooting the ball particularly well, but he's playing, being assertive, playing about 25 minutes a game. He's doing solid. Nick Richards has been doing yeoman's work down there. Now, mind you, he's not... He's definitely a backup center, but for the season, you know, 8.9 points per game, 7.2 rebounds, you know, making 70% of his shots. Now, he's only taking five a game, but still, like, he's been doing his best. Now, he's just not a starting center. So, yeah, there's been times where they've been hammered on the boards, and that's not just Richards, but, like, he's been overwhelmed by the opposing team's center, whether that be Avicii Zubak, you know, in, in... in Los Angeles for the Clippers, Anthony Davis, you know, for the Lakers, you know, you kind of go down the list. Um, Sabonis, I think, actually, I'd say Richards held his own against Sabonis, but, like, a Sabonis kind, like, those bigs are, are, are big factors. And after that, you're going to guys like Bryce McGowan's, um, Ish Smith, JT Thor had had some run, um, Nathan Mensah's been getting some more run. Like, it's a bit of a drop-off. Nick Smith Jr., you know, and I'm going to talk about those two in a second, but, like, it's a big drop-off. I mean, Bryce McGowan's, JT Thor, and Nick Smith Jr. are 21-21 and 21 for McGowan's and Thor, and the 19 for Nick Smith Jr. Nathan Mensah is a 25-year-old who just got picked up eight games ago. Right? Like, these are guys. Ish Smith is a serviceable player who's carved out a 14-year career and has been great. But when I say great, I mean he knows his role, and it's not a high-volume score or even a high playmaker. He's averaging 3.8 points per game and 3.3 assists. At 35 years old, like, great. It's good to have him, you know, coming in there and getting some minutes. And I love the fact that he's able to get one more year in the NBA with a team that he's had a few go-arounds with. But at the same time, like, you're not looking at him as a reliable source of offense, right? It's someone who could spell Terry Rozier for big minutes because he's playing, you know, just under 36 minutes a game as your starting point guard and then your starting two guard and kind of going between that. Like, that's been an issue as well. Depth. This Hornets team, I mean... Yeah, they were maybe built to sustain an injury or two, but with the sheer amount that they've had to go with and had to work through, yeah, half the time you're getting a team that is depleted and just isn't ready for primetime action. I'm very high on Nick Smith Jr. I think he can be a guy that'll be solid. He's shooting 48% from three. Mind you, he's only taking like three attempts a game, but still. Like, he's coming in there and, and, and for the most part playing solid. Bryce McGowan's, I love the energy Bryce McGowan's comes in and brings. Like, Bryce McGowan's comes in and is solid. You know, and again, his numbers don't look super great. If we're looking individually at just Bryce McGowan, it's 5.5 points per game, just under two rebounds and an assist in just under 20 minutes per game. But I love his activity, you know, shooting 40% from three. Again, low volume, but I could see a future for him. You know, as a backup swing man, right? But these guys are going to need more minutes. And and if not, then Steve Clifford is relying on a much shorter rotation. And he's been doing that. I mean, if you look at the last couple of games, they've been going 6-7 deep, playing 30-plus minutes a night. And then Ishmith will get his 10-15. Bryce McGowan will get about 10. Nick Smith Jr., 10-12. to 12, You know, Nathan Mensah might get in, might not. JT Thor might get in, might not. And that's all, folks. And so that's the thing, too. 
Um, but as 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 the play goes, I, I have to say I, I don't really have a whole lot to nitpick on that. Like, yes, they could shoot the ball better. Yes, Miles um, Bridges was in a horrific slump. Um, the past, I'd say, six games or so. Like, it wasn't great. But at the same time, I mean, he's playing a lot of minutes and, you know, legs catching up with you, all that. Like, it's nothing I'm really, like, jumping on, on a negative aspect. It's just, it is what it is. It's not been great there. Terry Rozier has been your one solid guy, but he's been getting banged up and he's playing heavy minutes as well. And he is your one reliable backcourt guy who can make his own shot and more than often than not, leave the Hornets in scoring. Especially without how he's been from three. Like, Terry Rozier has been one of the stars on this team. It's someone I really would look at if I were another team looking for a guard to play alongside my stars, you know, come to trade down and looking for a changeup. Because right now, Terry Rozier on just under eight attempts from for, for three, eight attempts per game from three, is shooting 36% from there. The assist-to-turnover ratio is seven to two. Like, that's, that's pretty good, folks. You know what I mean? If you're looking at what he's bringing from reduction value, 24 points per game, just under four rebounds, 7.1 assists, shooting 46% from the field, um, leading the team in shot attempts, um, with especially with LaMelo Ball out, shooting 36% from three, second on the team in three-point shot attempts to LaMelo Ball, who's been out. Like, effective field goal percentage isn't super great, but, I mean, he's the guard doing a lot of high-volume shot creation from the mid-range and from three. So 53%, I'm not going to kill it. 85% from the free throw line, he's been active, he's trying to make a way constantly, he's putting on a bigger focus of the Hornets' offense, and, you know, he's doing good, his per 36 numbers pop up even more, in terms of just his efficiency, relative to the role that he has. So, this is one of those things for me, that I, 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 I love the way the Hornets have been playing, like, I can't say enough of what I've liked about the effort, they just don't have the firepower. They just don't. Um, aside from that, yeah, I mean, it's just been, it's been rough, you know. Injuries, that's the big, big thing. That's the big, big thing. Um, one good thing that happened out of this past 11-game uh, losing streak, of course, while I'm missing LaMelo Ball for six, 17 games and Mark Williams for 12 and Gordon Hayward for four, um, one thing that's been good is um, the Hornets recently, they lost this game against the Phoenix Suns, they lost 11 straight, I mean, that's not news here, but Terry Rozier went off for a season-high 42 points, shot 8 of 12 from 3, did shot 8 assists, didn't have a single turnover, move over, Tyrese Halliburton, it's Terry Rozier time, baby, okay, I'm just kidding, but like, that's one thing that's been solid, that was the Hornets' third most efficient offensive game of the season, and it was decent ball movement there too, they went 119 points on just 95 possessions. And I love the way they were able to move the ball around. They got good rotations out of double teams. They just did a good job there. Um, what they didn't do against the Suns, just because that's a highlight game that I did watch, the Suns were just way more efficient. Like, as efficient as the Hornets were, the Suns were even better. They were 18 of 30 for three-point line. They had the second-highest effective field goal percentage for any team this season. And mind you, the Hornets had guys like Bryce McGowan's and, you know, like I said, in moments, Nick Smith and, of course, P.J. Washington and them having to guard, like, Bradley Beal and, and Kevin Durant. Like, that's not going to do it, right? That's not. But the fact that the Hornets shot well from three for themselves was solid, even if their opponent shot 39% from three. And, 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 and that's been a thing this season. Like, opponents against the Hornets have been able to shoot a very high clip from three. If it holds up, it'll be the third highest in the 45 years of the three-point line, of just the numbers. And, again, 
there's not a whole lot you can say. Steve Clifford is a defensive-minded coach. I don't want to say the Hornets are a turnstile defensively, but the personnel just isn't super great outside of that. And that's not saying that, yeah, when Gordon Hayward comes back, you know, and when LaMelo Ball comes back, then they'll be just demonstrably better defensively. Now, when Mark Williams comes back, yeah, yeah, I think you can say that. But that's just the thing. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I think looking at it, that was the biggest takeaway I had from that. Um, was, of course, the injuries. I think the biggest positive I had was just seeing other guys step up. Nathan Mensah, Nick Richards have performed admirably. I love the fight and the grit and the scrappiness that guys like Nick Smith Jr. and Bryce McGowan's have brought in. You know, like, they could easily be coming in, going through the motions, and they're really playing, and, and you could see the effort. You could see the passion. There was a moment in uh, last night's game against the Kings where Malik Monk went to the basket, and Nick Smith Jr. was defending him, and Nick Smith Jr. knocked the ball out of his hands like, as he was going for a shot, so he hit the ball, and then as um, Monk continued to elevate, he lost the handle, and they called a foul on Nick Smith, and Nick Smith's like, no, no, like, that isn't on me, and for, I think it was credit to Steve Clifford and the Hornets staff to give, you know, will give the 19-year-old rookie, you know, his word. He said that. It's a pivotal moment in the game, about three minutes left in the game. We'll, 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 put our, we'll put our team on the line with the challenge, and we'll see, and fortunately they did, and it worked out well in their favor. Um, but also, I commended Nick Smith Jr. for that because you can be a young guy going, no, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, and it looks back, and yeah, you totally did, and now you've lost your team, you know, uh, a timeout and a challenge because you were acting selfishly on a call that, yeah, if you even thought there was a chance you fouled him, then you probably did. But I love the fact that that worked out the way it did. Like, I thought that was a really good moment between a, a, a rookie that's been playing well and getting pivotal minutes down the stretch in Nick Smith Jr. and a coaching staff, you know, led by Steve Clifford who actually trusted the guys that they're giving minutes to. I thought that was a really good moment not like a formative moment in this team but something i really did enjoy but let's talk about the hornets and the kings because that was a really fun game um definitely had a down to the wire finish and like i said the hornets have fought in most of their games they've they've had a few blowouts for sure just because they can't quite keep up but they fought really well through most of their games against um they fought well through most of their games against you know their opponents in this losing streak they have um but this was this was fun uh the hornets you know as they've gotten themselves into during most of this time got off to a really slow start and they found themselves in a double digit uh deficit midway through the first quarter but fortunately the kings got cold in the end of the first and the hornets got back into it led by none other than terry rogier um and that helped get the hornets back up after one second quarter was weird kings were able to kind of get themselves going uh, because Darren Fox is just a monster MVP handed player. Um, but again, Terry Rozier made a nice jump shot. I think it was a step back to keep the Hornets within striking distance at the half. I think the Hornets were down five points at halftime. And what's funny is I went and I was watching the game and I wasn't feeling too high yesterday. So as I'm watching it, I'm literally laying down. I didn't write my notes like I typically do. I was just trying to pay, you know, extra attention to the game. But one thing I did do was go and take, um, take a, a snapshot of the, the, the shooting numbers at halftime. I thought I was really crafty. Just just front end, you know, team coverage work here at Sports Ethos Hornets. But at half, you know, it was pretty pretty even. They both weren't shooting the ball well from the floor. Um, the Hornets were shooting 43% from the field. Um, the Kings were shooting 41%. Both were 8 of 21 from the three-point line. Now, where the Kings did hammer the Hornets was rebounding. Again, the Hornets are a very small team right now. I mean, Mensa's is your second biggest guy, you know, outside of Nick Richards. And then, of course, you're talking about Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, both solid players, but both, you know, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, undersized for their respective positions. And so, 
The Kings hammered the Hornets both six offensive rebounds to zero and then 12 second chance points to zero. Um, but somehow, by the activity of the Hornets, they were able to get more blocks than the Kings, the three to one block for Sacramento. And the key guy, of course, for the Hornets at halftime was Terry Rozier, who at half had 15 points on six of 10 shooting, had three rebounds, two assists, and two blocks. He was just everywhere. And he was a big reason why the Hornets were able to keep track. Because it could have been, been a game where just like a few of the games during this most recent losing streak where the, you know, Hornets are in it, the opposing team is at it, they go back and forth, and the opposing team shuts off the Hornets' water for a bit, puts on a bit of a run, and by the time the Hornets get back in and try to make a game out of it, they're already down 16, 18 points, late in the third, midway through the fourth. That didn't happen here. And I think Terry Rozier's consistent scoring and really good scrappiness from guys like Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, who always seems to play well against Sacramento, really helped Charlotte stay in that game. Um, but going back to the game, so midway through the third quarter, it got kind of crazy. It did. It was turning into some just, just I, I played basketball at the gym this morning. It was turning to straight runs of up and down, missed, you know, early offense shots, end-to-end layups that were missing or going in, and the other team would go and get one right back. It was just turning to attract me. And so Steve Clifford was like, all right, calm down, let's slow it down. And he did, you know, temporarily slow it down. But then it went right back into that track meet that I was referring to. Um, and Malik Monk had a moment toward the end of the third where he hit a couple of threes, but guess what? Terry Rozier responded, and then P.J. Washington responded. And that made it a three-point game by the end of the third quarter. And for the fourth, yeah, it was just a back and forth. It was a back and forth. Uh, Davion Mitchell had a big three, which was curious because he shot, what, he shot 25% from three. Um, but then there was that play I told you earlier about with Nick Smith Jr. on Malik Monk. The challenger overturned the foul call that would have led to Malik Monk free throws. And then right after that, the Kings had a shot clock violation. And so that helped. And then it got really cool. Like, it was back and forth, just beautiful basketball. You know, De'Aaron Fox, Terry Rozier, Terry Rozier, De'Aaron Fox, back and forth. Um, And then finally, the Hornets were able to string together a couple of of sustained stops. And it was a nice backcourt cut um, for P.J. Washington where Cody Martin found him after Cody Martin had stolen the ball from De'Aaron Fox. And that put the Hornets up by three with 42 seconds to play. Once that was done, it was pretty much a wrap. Like, I felt really good about it. Mind you, it was definitely still in play. 42 seconds is a lot of time, and the Sacramento Kings are just an amazing offense. But I felt really good about it, and yeah, the Kings missed a couple shots, the ones made a couple free throws, and that was the wrap. It was just, it was a good game, a feel-good game for the Hornets. So much so that I had to obviously redo a whole show. Like, I'm redoing this. I had about a 35-minute discussion on how the Hornets have just been bad. A lot of it blamed on injuries. And now, here we are. Like, I feel so much better. And a lot of that was Terry Rozier. Like, he played like a star. He had 15 points at half. He ended up with 34 points for the game. 14 of them in the fourth quarter alone. And most of them in the actual crunch time of the game. Like, incredible shot making. And the fact he was able to open the floor helped out for other Hornets as well. Miles Bridges was able to get good, you know, lanes to, to make baskets. Um, P.J. Washington was able to get that go-ahead dunk because of the spacing that you had provided from Terry Rozier. Like, he really gave that impact of a star player. Um, and I love the fact that he was able to elevate himself on most nights of the season. Because last year, you know, a similar position with LaMelo Ball being out for a majority of the time, Terry Rozier had assumed the point guard role and the shooting guard role and be the, basically the lead ball handler. And he kind of caved in under the pressure. It was a lot. Defensive attention, his shooting numbers cratered, he wasn't very good. And this year, for whatever reason, I mean, he is he is in his bag. That is the best way to say that. He is in his absolute bag. Another guy I want to shout out, Miles Bridges. Um, listen, Miles Bridges was strong around the basket, physical. Like, I want you physical on the basketball court, Miles. Not, not anywhere else. 
and he was. He had 29 points. Um, he was cutting to the rim, finishing with his right hand, a couple of good and ones that were keeping the Hornets in pace, especially when the game could have easily gotten out of hand. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And then PJ Washington, man, every time he plays Sacramento, it's it's it, he just goes off. I don't know why. Every time he plays Sacramento, it's like it's like they did something there, or they didn't draft him or something. But he had a game high plus minus of sixteen points, or a game high plus minus of sixteen. Excuse me. He had seventeen points, and he did a good, good job of being aggressive, getting to the paint. You know, PJ Washington definitely settled for the three a little bit. He didn't do a whole lot of that this time. Like he was somebody who did knock down some three point shots for sure, but he was just really really solid. Um, and just like Miles Bridges was aggressive, and I'd love to see that from Washington. An aggressive Washington is usually a good sign for both him and for the Hornets. And then lastly, defensively. It wasn't super great defensively. We'll talk about that in a second with how they felt they handled the Aaron Fox, which I'm just going to tell you they didn't. But um, they did a really good job with DeMontis Sabonis. He had a triple-double with, you know, points, rebounds, and turnovers. And I like that. It was really good, whether it was, you know, a push-off on a, on, a, on a screen that wasn't right or, you know, a missed pass. Like, I think Nick, Nick Richards did a good job of biting him up and making him feel him, and that really helped to kind of throw off Sabonis' touch a little bit on some bunnies because he had um, eight offensive rebounds, and a lot of those were off of his own misses around the basket. It was like, miss, rebound, miss, rebound. And, yes, I wish Nick Richards had grabbed one of those rebounds, but at the same time, his attention was forcing Sabonis to miss. And then Miles Bridges would dig down, or P.J. Washington would dig down, or Cody Martin would muck it up, and they really helped make it uncomfortable for Sabonis because he could have feasted against this particular Hornets unit. And he got his points and rebounds. The box score looks really good for him if you don't have the turnovers. But if you do and you watch the game, you know that it had a significant impact on him. And so I did like that. Um, what wasn't cool, yeah, De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, he, he immediately, like, Hornets would make a shot, De'Aaron Fox. End-to-end, coast-to-coast late, and one. Like, he's one of the best at doing that, but everyone knows he's going to do that. I really wish the Hornets would have adjusted a little bit better, um, at least getting back uh, to stop him, or at least not giving up the end one. I mean, it would have been nice for him to just go back. It would not have been nice for him to just go and score, but he basically did. It felt like whenever he wanted to. And mind you, Darren Fox is playing like an MVP candidate this year. Like, make no mistake about it, no disrespect to him or his game. He has been great, but it was just a lot of times where I was watching the game, the Hornets score, they were trying to show a replay of that, and the next thing you know, like, they're inbounding the ball again because De'Aaron Fox is already going down the court and scored. Like, yes, he is fast, but come on now. Like, transition defense was definitely an issue. Um, but aside from that, I thought it was really good. I really did. I mean, there was moments where, yeah, it, it could have been a whole lot worse. It could have been a whole lot worse, but it wasn't. And the reason why is because the Hornets showed grit and fight, and they stayed with it. So, yeah, my um, that would be the, the buzz of the night is Terry Rozier for sure. I think that what he did um, in terms of leading this team and being consistent was really solid. And then I would also give um, secondary buzzes, if you will, or secondary love to the four tandem of Bridges and Washington. I thought that those two really came out and did a good job as well. Bridges, like I said, 27 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. And then, of course, off the bench, P.J. Washington, 7 of 13 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, 17 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists for him. Um, another guy I thought was solid is Schmidt. Again, numbers are not going to pop out with him. 4.6 rebounds, 4 assists, but he was really solid, made a key jumper at the end of the shot clock um, late in the third when, again, it could have gone another way. It was, like, just enough buckets to keep Charlotte in there, and I really did like that. Um... One guy I wish had done a little bit better, uh, I guess it's a slight sting. Give a buzz for a good sting for the bad is Bryce McGowan's. I loved his effort. He had one really good play. Um, one of his two assists was a tap 
um, off of a, a missed shot, like a tap to a tap, a contested tap over to Nick Richards for a slam. I thought that was really good. Um, but aside from that, he missed the two threes he took, one of three from the field, two or three from the free throw line, four points. He was still a plus one. Like, he was still an impactful player. It just didn't really show in terms of the box score. But the effort, the energy, I really did enjoy that. I just wanted to knock down a few more shots. Um, Cody Martin, I thought, did good. Um, shot the ball a little bit too much for someone who wasn't hot. He was four of ten from the field, one of five from three. But ten points, two rebounds, two assists, solid defense. I really liked what I saw there. And then lastly, Nick Richards. Again, serviceable game for him. 26, point, 26 minutes, just under, just over 26 minutes. He had seven points, ten rebounds, he had an assist, he had a steal, he had two blocks. He did a really good job as well. Um, and those, those are the highlights for this. And, and honestly, that's why I feel better about this Hornets team going into a two-day break before they play the Chicago Bulls. And real quick, just want to give a little insight on the Chicago because the next show that you'll get from me will be a recap of that game um, and just how that went. The Chicago Bulls are 15-20. and 20. They got absolutely blasted against the Philadelphia 76ers last night. 110-97. It was a lot worse than the final score looked. Um, mind you, a lot of that was because Joel Embiid, you know, and the Hornets don't have any guy like Joel Embiid. So, just off that alone, um, Chicago will be a little more friskier against them, even with uh, Patrick Williams leaving a little bit early after playing only 11 minutes in the first half because of an ankle injury. Um, and he, I think, would not play. I mean, he wants to play um, in this in the next game they have. Uh, well, that will be as I'm recording this. So tonight they play. He wants to play now, but he did tweak the ankle two games ago against the Indian Pacers and then re-aggravated Saturday. So we will see. Um, but injuries have been a big deal for the Bulls as well. Um Kobe White in the third quarter slipped in the paint, went to the locker room, and that would be a horrific injury long-term for the Bulls because they already have their starting center out with injury, their starting shooting guard out with injury, and now both power forwards out. That will be their point guard out as well. So it would be almost just as bad as the Hornets from an injury perspective. Um, they are a decent three-point shooting team. They did not have a good game against the 76ers, of course, but all in all, Chicago is not horrible there. Um, and they've showed a lot of fight. They finished 2023 on a really good run um, without, of course, Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic. Uh, and, and as far as their big numbers, they're not much better than the Hornets across the board. Um, I mean, they have a lot more wins, well, seven. But they're 24th in offensive rating, 14th in defensive rating, and 23rd in net rating. Um, a guy I really want to see how the Hornets kind of keep in check is DeMar DeRozan, who even at age 34 has played most of the season and leads the team in scoring and in assists, 22 points per game, 5.4 assists. Um, he has definitely slipped, of course, as he's gotten a little older, but he's still their main guy for sure. Kobe White will be another guy. We'll see, again, his injury status. That's why he's not the main guy. But even though he's not leading the team in scoring, he's still been very efficient. 17 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, 4.7 assists, a string of just great games, shooting 40, um, 43% from the field, which isn't super great, but 38% from three, which is electric on seven attempts per game. Um, and then after that, it's a lot of just really scrappy guys. You have your Ayo Dusumu. You have your Alex Caruso. Um, Torrey Craig's been out for a bit. He won't factor in, but he's a guy who fits there. Dalen Terry, Andre Drummond. I, I think this is a game that Charlotte can win for sure. I think it's a matter of, again, letting Terry cook go off like that. Let's hopefully get Brandon Miller back from his ankle injury. That will definitely help open up the spacing and, 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 and kind of stretch Chicago a little bit past where they're comfortable. And then pack, I wouldn't say pack the paint, but 
Chicago doesn't have a lot of great shooters, and if Kobe White does miss this game, that is definitely something that makes it an advantage for the Hornets. So it really would be then focusing your energy on DeMar DeRozan and coming out to a quick start because the Hornets' starts this season have not been super great. Um, even in their win yesterday against Sacramento, it was not a super good one. And by not super good, it was horrific. Like, just a slow start. So come out the gate early with that intensity and really try to take it over. Hit Chicago in the mouth just like Philadelphia did. And yes, the Hornets are not the Philadelphia 76ers. They're not as good. They don't have the personnel. But they can still come with that same energy and put Chicago back on its heels. And that will just give the Hornets a better advantage as the game goes on. So that's what I'm looking at there. I think it'll be an interesting game. I do think the Hornets have a good chance of winning. Do I think that they will? It really depends on the status of Kobe White and Patrick Williams. Uh, Kobe White, for sure, a lesser extent Patrick Williams, but both those guys have been important to Chicago. Um, if Kobe White's out, then I'm going to feel a lot more confident about Charlotte, even as injury-ridden as they've been. Um, if Kobe White is in, then it's going to be a game of it, for sure, and I might lean Chicago. But either way, I'm hoping for a good one. I just don't want to blow out. I want to see some improvement. Um from some of these Hornets guys, in particular uh, Bryce McGowan, just being more consistent. And then, of course, I want to see, can P.J. Washington build off of the solid game he had last night? Can um, Terry Rozier continue the great play he's had for most of the season? Can Miles Bridges, after having that slump, you know, the last two weeks in December, come back and be really solid here after a strong game against Sacramento? Like, that's what I'm looking at for sure. And I'm excited to get back with y'all and, and peep back in and see where Charlotte lies after this contest. So that'll do it here for an episode of the Sports Ethos Charlotte Hornets podcast. I want to thank y'all again for rocking with me here. I do appreciate it. Talk to y'all in a few days for sure. It will be fun with more analysis as well, and we'll kind of get more team-specific as we get closer to the trade deadline and any possible moves the Hornets that could make, um, whether they are buyers or sellers, and maybe sellers or why they should or should not be. Hopefully I can get a guest on talk about that. I think that will be an interesting conversation for sure. But thank y'all again. Appreciate the time wherever you may be, however you may be listening Thank you for making me a part of your day. I want you to have a great rest of your wonderful Wednesday. First week of the new year. Let's make it a thing. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos. S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S. Check it out for sure. I'm Frosty, y'all. Y'all stay frosty. And until next time, let's go.